Hey, thank you so much for listening to this message. You're listening to part four in our series called Hashtag Throwback. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, enjoy. Hey, today is an extremely, extremely special day. I have the privilege uh, of, of, of welcoming up my friend. Uh, for anyone who missed it, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. Not speaking today. Super excited. I got my friend all the way from Kelowna, BC. Uh, pastor Abraham is in the house. Can we just clap our hands? Let's go. He's going he's gonna to bring a word this morning. Uh, he came here last summer. He brought a word, and it was life-changing, and I believe that it's going to be life-changing once again this morning. Uh, Abraham is here with his wife, Alyssa, beautiful wife, and uh, his name's Abraham, and uh, I always joke that uh, until he has kids, he's Abram, and then he can become <clears throat> Abraham. It's a very Christian joke. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, uh, I'll explain it later. But so pumped, one of my best friends. Um, I, I don't want to say a lot because um, I was his best man in his wedding. And uh, when I did the speech, I just made jokes. And uh, yeah, so when I, when I, <laughs> I, I just go too far sometimes. And so all to say, I love him. Hey, he's one of the smartest guys I know. If I have a question, I ask him. If I want to debate, I ask him. If I want to talk comic books, I ask him. And uh, I just believe that he's going to bring something this morning. So once again, come on, let's, let's, let's just give a round of applause at Kingdom Church Welcome. Pastor Abraham. Good morning, Kingdom Church. Harrison is far too kind. I'm not as smart as he says I am. <laughs> um, it's good to be here with you guys. I know I was here last summer, and I really enjoyed my time being able to share with you guys, and, and so uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm able to share with you guys again today. Uh, today, interestingly enough, we're actually in Genesis 13. So if you know the series that you guys are going through in Kingdom Church here, uh, you're going through Genesis. And so uh, last week, I believe Harrison shared on Genesis chapter 12, and he, and he shared the call of this man named Abram. And so this week, uh, I'm sharing Genesis chapter 13 and sharing the, the, the kind of the rest of the story, the continuation of the story of this man named Abram, uh, which, is, which is so funny for me to read because I am Abraham. And so this is, if you know the story of the Bible, you know that later once, uh, once God kind of gives this blessing, once God gives this uh, prophecy over Abram's life that he's going to have these descendants as numerous as the stars, as numerous as the, as the, the grains of sand on the ground, uh, then his name changes from Abram to Abraham. But right now we're in Genesis chapter 13, the story of a man named Abram. And you know, if, you, if, you've, uh, if you've ever been outside or if you've ever been to any store or uh, maybe a grocery store, maybe a bakery or wherever you've been, uh, you know that the world is full of choices, right? Everywhere you go, there's a choice that you have to make. And so we are, we are free to choose whatever we have. We believe that God has given us free will. Free will basically means that you can choose whatever path you want to go on. And so it can be anything. You can do whatever you want with your free will. And free choice is certainly a blessing. You know, we rejoice and we have freedom. We rejoice and we have the ability to choose whatever we want. We rejoice and we have the ability to choose our own life path, to choose our own religion, to choose our own views, to choose our own whatever you want to choose. We're, we're blessed to have that. But free choice doesn't come without downsides. Because sometimes making a choice can be especially difficult. Right? Has anybody ever had difficult choices to make? Yeah, somebody? You know, sometimes choices can be especially difficult. And one of the hardest choices you will ever make, likely this week, is the question. Here's the question. Where do you want to eat? You guys know that's a hard choice, right? 
Any of y'all who are in relationships know that's one of the most frustrating questions you will ever hear. Where do you want to eat? You know, that's the dreaded question. It's often as bad in relationships as the question as, what do you want to do today? <laughs> right? What do you want to watch on Netflix? We've watched everything there is. There's nothing left, you know? Maybe you struggled this morning to figure out what you wanted to wear for church, right? Maybe you were choosing between this shirt and that shirt. You know, my, my wife hates me for this because she usually wakes up about an hour, hour and a half early, gets ready, takes her time, you know, just kind of like improves and, and, and does, does even better than she already looks. And then I wake up literally half an hour before we have to leave. I just throw on a shirt, throw on some pants, and I go out to preach. My wife hates me for that, you know. And, and there, are, there are difficult choices that we make, you know. There, there, you can be stuck between two really tough choices. Maybe uh, for some of you right now, I know it's summertime, but some of you might be choosing uh, between going to university far away or maybe you're choosing to stay in the comfort of your own home, you know, attend a university here nearby. Uh, maybe you, you, you felt a call somewhere else. You know, maybe you have this job opportunity in a different city, in a different province that you don't know anyone there. Maybe it's a tough choice. Or maybe you are chosen and you are the chosen one. And you are left with the choice between the red and the blue pill. And Lawrence Fishburns comes up to you and he says, you are the chosen one, Neo. Nobody gets that. It's okay. Now, sometimes the struggle can be between really good options, right? If they're difficult options, they're good options. You know, uh, just yesterday, we went to this beautiful Italian bakery called Italian Bakery, right? That's what it's called. <laughs> and we went there specifically to try some of their desserts. And so I, I, if you've ever been there, it's on, I think it's on 90th Ave, right? If you've ever been there, you know there's a lot of different options. And so I sat there perplexed. Too many good options. You know, do I choose the cheesecake? Do I choose the pistachio cake? Do I grab a cannoli? Do I grab a stuffed horn? And so you know what you, know what you do in that situation? You buy them all. You buy them all, right? Yeah, you don't make a choice. You just buy them all. And then there's, there's the, the, the choice between the lesser of two evils. And this one directly relates to that Italian bakery one. You know, you either choose to eat healthy or consume those extra calories. And recently, my clothes have been. Um, so yeah, so we're forced, to make, we're forced to make decisions every day of our lives. And sometimes, we, we don't like either of the options, right? Especially if we're left with two options. We don't like either of the options. And so we look for a third. And oftentimes, we are prone to choosing the option that looks the best, that feels the best. That, and this is the big part. That often gives the most instant gratification, right? Regardless of consequences. And so it's our impulsivity in decision-making that often leads us to choose the wrong thing or a wrong thing. Maybe you've ever been in a, in a, in a tough choice and you've made a quick decision, a rash decision, and, and then you regret it in the long run. I know I have made those kinds of decisions. And sometimes God presents us with different options, right? And, and we have to take the options laid before us, but oftentimes, unfortunately, we reject the choices that God gives and we choose something Else. And in Genesis chapter 12, which Harrison talked about last week, Yahweh, this God, makes this covenant with this man named Abram. And he says, he says a couple of promises to him. He says, I will make your name great. I will exalt you. You will be a blessing to nations. All nations will be blessed by you. And he says, but I want you to do this. I want you to move to the land of Canaan, right? That's a choice. You can either move or you don't move. And Abram, he moved eventually. He moved to the land of Canaan. But when he moves to the land of Canaan, to this region of, of Negev, um, God said to him, he says, I will give you this inheritance. I will give you this land forever for all of your descendants, for everyone, for all of time. This is a blessing for you, right? So he goes to the land of Canaan. But if you read the story, when Abram goes to the land of Canaan, the land of Canaan is actually hit with a famine, a pretty severe famine. So severe that Abram actually has to leave the land of Canaan, and he travels towards the land of Egypt, and he spends some time in the land of Egypt. And so if I were Abram, I'm not, I'm Abraham. 
if I were Abram, I might complain a bit. Because God has just uprooted me from my hometown and has moved me to a different nation only to have that nation, that blessing, that promise, that inheritance to be hit with a famine. I'd I'd complain a bit, wouldn't you? But this is the thing. This is a beautiful thing. God's hands aren't tied by our circumstances. God's hands aren't tied by the world's circumstances. There is nothing that can get in the way from God blessing you. And what may seem like a curse to you, listen to this, what may seem like a curse to you is actually just a detour on the road to your blessings. Because Abram, when he goes to Egypt, that's actually where he gains all of his riches. That's where he gets all of his slaves. That's where he gets all of his silver and his gold and his flocks and his camels and his sheep. All of the riches that Abram is known to have, he receives all of that in Egypt on that little detour, right? But as soon as the famine's over, Abram leaves Egypt and he travels back to the promised land. Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. This is going to be starting our story today. Genesis 13, verse 1 says this. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had and Lot this is his nephew, went with him. Abram had, a, had, had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and when he had first built an altar to the Lord. There Abram called in the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds with him. He had tents, he had all these other things as well. But the land, it says, could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were far too great. They were not able to stay together. And quarreling, says verse 7, quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's herders, between the shepherds of Abram and the shepherds of Lot. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land of the time. They hadn't been evicted quite yet. And so Lot traveled wherever Abram traveled. And as a result of of Abram's closeness with Lot, as a result of Lot's closeness with Abram, God also blessed Lot. Lot also had riches. Lot also had tents. He had shepherds. He had flocks. He had all these things that Abram had been blessed with. And so when Abram and Lot, when they get back to the land of Canaan, they begin to settle this land. But unfortunately, it's a pretty crowded land. It's surrounded by the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And so God promised this land to Abram, but there are still other people groups in the land. And so they take the space that they can. They fit wherever they can, but clearly the story says it's not enough. And so the shepherds in charge of Abram's uh, sheep and flock, they would compete uh, with, with Lot's shepherds for the very best pasture. They would look for the very best places to graze uh, the sheep. And so this leads the shepherds to fight amongst each other. And it eventually, just like anything else, it makes its way back to the owners. It makes its way back to Abram and Lot. So this tension between the shepherds creates tension between Abram and Lot. And so Abram is a very good man. He's a very good man. Just like me, he's a very good man. He could have cursed out his nephew, right? He could have said, well, well you, you go somewhere else. Because this is the land that God had promised who? Abram, not Lot, Abram. So Abram could have said, you know what, this is my land. This is the land that God told me to take. So you can go somewhere else. But he didn't. You know, he had adopted his nephew, Lot, after, after Lot's father had died. And so instead of taking what social customs at the time would have allowed Abram to do, he reasons with Lot. He gives him an option. Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling. Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders, your shepherds, and mine. For we are close relatives. We're family. He's like, is not the whole land 
before you? It's not, it's not everything here before you. So you know what? Let's part company. Let's go separate ways. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. But if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And so they climb up this mountain, and they have this view over the whole land. And Abram says to Lot, he says this, look. He says, look to the right, look to the left, look everywhere. He says, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. I'll take whatever you don't want. And then the Bible says in verse 10, verse 10 says this, Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered. Kind of like the garden of the Lord. Kind of like the land of Egypt. And then in brackets it says, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. These two wicked cities. And so there's something that's really important for you to understand in order to truly appreciate kind of the nuances of this story. If I were to tell you that I was going on a journey across Canada, and I were to take a map, and I were to say, I'm going right, which direction do you think I'm going? East, right? I'm going to maybe Ontario, maybe Quebec, right? Not Saskatchewan or Manitoba. There's nothing there, right? I'm going east, right? If I were to tell you I'm going left, which way do you think I'm going? BC, right? Beautiful country. Beautiful country over there. Uh, I, I'm from BC, so I just love BC. But you might, you might think I'm going to BC, right? Towards the west. But it's different for these people. Because we orient ourselves from north to south, right? We think of the map as we start north, and then left and right is just depending on north. But the ancient people of Israel actually viewed the world differently. They didn't view it north to south. They viewed it east to west. And so likely, Abram and Lot were looking East, I don't know if this is east, but let's pretend this is east, right? Abram and Lot were looking east. And so Abram says to Lot, he says, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go, I'll, I'll go left. And he says, basically, he's saying, you want northern Canaan, you take northern Canaan. You want southern Canaan, you take southern Canaan. Whatever you want. We'll split the whole land in half, north and south. You take whatever side you want. Choose between left and right. And so Abram kind of gives them this promise. He says, this inheritance that God has given me, I'll share that with you. I'll give you 50%. And not only will I give you 50%, I'll give you whatever 50 you want, whatever part of the land you want. If you want the north because it looks better, you take the north. If you want the south because you think that's better, you take the south. Go ahead, choose which one you want. But what did Lot do? And it's not always that obvious because it's kind of difficult. We don't, we're not familiar with the map and the geography of this area. But verse 10 says this, Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar that was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So verse 11 says, So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the, what does it say? East. The two men parted company. So Abram says, you take north or south, which one do you want? And Lot's like, I'll take neither. I'm going east. Right? And so here's our first lesson. Our first lesson is this. When God presents you with options, don't look for a third. When God presents you with options, don't look for a third. Because if God leaves an option off the table, it's because that's not a good option for you. Did you hear that? Because somebody needs to hear that today. If God leaves an option off of the table, it's not a good option for you. And so there's actually some more nuances that I want to look at here. Because the author of Genesis writes this. It's an interesting caveat to write. He says, the land was well watered, kind of like the land of Egypt. 
So Lot chose for himself the land of the Jordan, set out towards the east. And so for us, we're not in that traditional Jewish mindset. We're not in the traditional Hebrew mindset, so we don't see it. But let me explain it here. So the, the writer is writing something very specific. He wants to trigger in the Israelite reader something very important. So for example, something that we might be all familiar with. If you guys ever watch scary movies, I don't watch scary movies. I hate them because they scare me too much. But if you ever watch scary movies, yes, you know, right? When the music quiets... What's about to happen? Somebody's going to die. You know that, right? When the music quiets, somebody's about to die. For an action movie, if the music picks up, what's going to happen? There's going to be some action, right? Maybe the music, maybe the drums, maybe the bass might, might be accelerating, and it gets your heart accelerating, so you get a little excited, right? And so they're, they're in, in, in the music industry, in the movie industry, you have these scores that's what's called the music track, that underlines a movie that tells you, gives you these nonverbal and non-visual cues that tell you how you're supposed to feel in this moment, right? Same thing in the Bible. This, this, this writer, this writer of Genesis, he writes this, and he describes the land to resemble Egypt. Because they know, this is, they would have been reading this story long after Moses, long after the slavery, long after the exile. They would have known that the land of Egypt was not a good option. They would have known that going to the land of Egypt wasn't a good idea. It was a terrible decision that the Israelites made. Egypt was the land that enslaved them. And even though Jacob's family temporarily found refuge from the famine there in Egypt, every Israelite that would have read this story would have known that Egypt was a terrible place to be. And interestingly enough, too, in the, in the story of the Bible, the Hebrew people, they associated the east with rebellion. Because, because this is kind of what happens in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, when they get kicked out of the Garden of Eden for disobeying, where do they travel? East. They travel east. Right? Cain, after he kills his brother Abel in Genesis chapter 4, where does he travel? To the east. In Genesis 11, when the people rebel against God and they form their own city and they build this tower of Babel to challenge God and reach the heavens, where do they travel? You might know the answer now. East. Right? So in the, in the story of Genesis, there is a pattern, there is a habit of the people rebelling, disobeying against God, and going where? To the east. So Abram says to, Cain, to Lot, he says, you go north to the south, where do you want to go? And what does Lot say? I'm going east, right? And so what often happens is that when we go searching for a third option, the option that God has left off the table, things go very wrong very quickly. So this is the lesson. When, when, when God presents you with options, don't go looking for a third. So Lot's choice is made completely out of selfish ambition. Right? Abram sets before him the choice. He says, choose wherever you want, north or south. You choose the best land that looks to you. And so he looks up and he looks out towards the east and he sees this land lush. It, it, it's lush with green pastures. It, it's the perfect place for all of his shepherds to graze the sheep and the flocks and all that he has. He says, this is the perfect place. The north and the south of Canaan, all that inheritance that God has promised, I don't want any of that stuff. Rather, I want to go to the east where things look great. And so he's a shepherd. That's where his income lies. So obviously it makes the most sense, right? If you're a shepherd, you're going to choose the land with the best grass. But we know, reading the story, the little cues, that Lot is making a huge mistake. And he's chasing that third option that we shouldn't be chasing. And so here's our second lesson today, actually. Our second lesson is this. Appearances can be deceiving. Because Lot makes this choice based on what the land looks like. But appearances can be deceiving. You see, the land was perfect for flocks and for shepherds, it was a, but it was a land completely devoid of God. God wasn't in that land. The land that Lot had chosen was on the eastern edge 
of the promised land. And so we can read the story and we can see that Lot is literally crossing the line with God. He's literally crossing the line. He's literally coming to the very edge of the boundary. And you see, God had encircled the land of Canaan, and he had declared that place to be the place of Abram's inheritance. And so the boundaries in the land of Canaan would also be the spiritual boundaries for God's blessings towards his people. And so Lot was not only crossing the line of physical boundaries, he was also exiting the space in which God had promised to bless them. And we do the same as Lot, right? We often see how far we can come to the line without crossing it, right? And we unwittingly, unfortunately, often cross the line. And so sometimes what God has promised us doesn't appear to be the prettiest or the easiest. It doesn't provide the most instant gratification, but God doesn't work in instant gratification. God works in eternal salvation. So when God draws boundaries to close you in, He isn't drawing boundaries to keep you locked up, but rather he's drawing boundaries to show you where your blessings lie. Did you hear that? See, God draws boundaries not to keep you enclosed, not to lock you up, not to restrict you, but God rather he draws boundaries so that you know this is where my blessing is. And it's funny because Lot does the exact same thing that we often do. If you read the story, it says that Lot pitches his tent as close to the line as he possibly can without crossing it. Genesis chapter 13, verse 12 says this, Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near where? Sodom. He didn't move immediately to Sodom. If you read the rest of the story, you know that Lot eventually moves to Sodom and he has a house there. But Lot didn't move to Sodom right away. He just pitches his tents near the plains, kind of close to the land of Sodom. And then it says, verse 13, it says, now the people of Sodom, they were wicked. They were sinning greatly against the Lord. This was a place devoid of God. And so Abram, he goes and he lives in the land that God had had, had promised him. And then Lot lives, instead of living in the promised land, he lives near Sodom. And what's interesting is that, that even though Lot knew that these cities were evil, even though Lot knew that these places were devoid of God, he, he chose those places because they looked better. Because they looked to satisfy more immediately. But still, though, he doesn't, he doesn't cross the line yet because he's still kind of reserving. He's trying to hold on just a little bit. But unfortunately, it doesn't last long because, like I said, if you read the rest of the story, he's eventually living in Sodom. You see, Lot doesn't resist the draw of Sodom for very long. He pitches his tent just outside the city, but he eventually lives in the city. And if you read Genesis 19, we read the stories that, that, that Sodom and Gomorrah are so wicked that God has to destroy these cities to prevent them from spreading their wickedness to the other cities around us. And we, we do this often too. We push our luck, right? We venture to the, to the, to the edge of God's blessing. We, we go to the boundary lines and we cross, and then we wonder why we're not blessed, right? We go to the edge of the line and then we wonder why we're not blessed, but the land looked good for Lot in appearance. He saw it was lush, it was green, green pastures everywhere. But really, the land would be his downfall for his family. Instead of the blessing that he had intended, instead of the blessing that he had hoped for, the land was the downfall for his family. Because, our second lesson, appearances can be deceiving. And so Abram was willing to take whatever was left, right? He said to Lot, he said, you go north or, or south, I'll take the rest. 
Because I can take whatever you don't want. I don't care what the land looks like. I can take whatever you don't want. He was willing to inherit the other half, whatever Lot didn't want. And so Abram had learned this throughout the years. This is why he gave him this option. He had learned this throughout his journey with God, that God would bless him no matter where he went. God had blessed him in Egypt. God had blessed him in Haran. God God would bless him in Canaan. He knew that wherever he went, God would bless him. And so here's our third lesson. Our third lesson is this. Abram knew that God blesses the leftovers. God blesses the leftovers. See, God blesses the remainder. God blesses the leftovers. God blesses the scraps. Abram had the right, according to the inheritance promise of Genesis 12, Abram had the right to choose the land for himself. The promise was made to Abram, not to Lot. Abram was older than Lot as well, so he had the first choice. He had the right to choose whatever portion he wanted, but instead he gave up those advantages. He says, I don't really care about choosing first. I don't really care about what land I want. All I need is God on my side because I know that God blesses the leftovers. See, we serve a God who is capable of restoring sight to the blind, a God who is, who is capable of healing the crippled. We read those in the stories of the New Testament. We serve a God who can literally feed tens of thousands with just a handful of, of, of loaves of bread and a couple of fishes. God can take the leftovers and multiply it so much so that you will always have left over, right? God blesses the leftovers. So don't be afraid to take the scraps. Don't be afraid to take the leftovers. Because when God gives you an option, if that option doesn't seem the easiest or the prettiest or the the most uh, instantly gratifying, don't be afraid to take that because that's where God's blessing lies. God blesses the leftovers. And then this time in the story, Genesis 13, verse 14, God clarifies this promise with Abram. Genesis 13, 14 says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west. All the land that you see, everything you can set your eyes on, I will give to you and your offspring forever. And then he says in verse 16, something clarifying, and I'll I'll explain this in a second. He says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Try counting the dust. God is really saying it's innumerable, right? It's a useless task to try to count how many. But God says in Genesis 12, 2, he says this. He says, I will make you into a great nation. Genesis 12, 7, 7, he says, I will give this land to your descendants. And so now here in Genesis chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, God clarifies how he's going to keep his promises in Genesis 12, 2, and 7. And so God gives Abram the promise of inheritance. He says, your offsprings, in in the very first time, he says, your offsprings will be as numerous as the stars. The first time God says, I'm going to give you an inheritance, he says, your offspring will be as numerous as the stars. You see, the stars were actually the spiritual realm, right? So Abram, in his old age, he easily interpreted this to mean spiritual descendants. He He thought, well, I can't give physical descendants, so that must mean it, mean it means it's spiritual descendants. If it's the stars, the spiritual realm, that means that God is talking about spiritual descendants. But, it, but God clarifies here in chapter 13 uh, a few things. God says this. He says, your descendants will be your own physical offspring. And we know that because God says your descendants will be like the dust of the ground, like the dirt. Same stuff that Adam and Eve are made of, right? So this promise isn't just about spiritual descendants. It's about physical descendants. Unfortunately, you might read the story later on. Abram kind of mixes things up, and so he says, okay, I'll have physical descendants. And so he has physical descendants with, what's her name? Hagar, Hagar, right? 
He has physical descendants with Hagar. He, he kind of mixes up the promise again, right? And so then, but God clarifies here. First, God is clarifying. Actually, it's not spiritual descendants. It's not theoretical descendants. It's physical descendants. You will actually have physical descendants. And he says, and I will give this land to you, to your children forever. This promise, this is the beautiful thing, this promise does not have an expiration date. God's promises for you don't have an expiration date. And then he says to Abram, he says, your children will be innumerable. See, at this point in time, Abram and Sarah, they, they can't have children. They're too old to father children. And so, and so we learn this in Genesis chapter 12. And what happens in this story is that Abram actually adopts Lot. He adopts Lot. He takes him into his family. That's why Abram gave Lot the choice, north or south, right? Because he thought that this promise of physical descendants would be, would be inherited or we would be completed through the adoption of Lot. Lot was his family, even though it wasn't his direct descendant, it was still his family that he had adopted. And so he had taken this promise that God had given him and he had applied it to Lot. He says, well, Lot is my adopted child. So that must mean that the promise of the inheritance comes through Lot. So he says, Lot, I'm sharing anything you want, whatever you want, all this inheritance, I'm sharing it with you. But here God clarifies his promise. He says, well, actually, no, it's not going to be Lot because God waited until a lot had left before he clarified the promise, right? He says the descendants will come from your own body, not from adoption. This land I'm giving for you is, is not temporary. I'm giving you this land forever, and your children will be so innumerable that it'll, it'll be as impossible to count them as it is to count the dust in the ground. You see, God blesses the leftovers, and just when you think it's impossible for God to do that, God comes in and he clarifies and says, this is how I will bless you. See this through the story. God blesses the leftovers. And then verse 17, God says something incredible. My favorite verse here in this story. Verse 17 says this. Go, walk through the length and the breadth. It means the length and the width of the land. Walk through everything, for I am giving it to you. Go, walk through the land, for I am giving it to you. God says to Abram, he says, look around you to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west. He says, I'm giving you everything, all the land that you want. Come and claim it. And so this is the promise he says to you. This is our fourth lesson. Our fourth lesson is this. Walk through your blessings. Don't sit around waiting for your blessings to come to you. Walk through it because God has promised that it is already yours. You see, in the ancient Eastern custom, this is a sign of victory. God tells them, go walk through the land. This is a sign of conquest. Ancient Eastern armies, what they would do is once they conquered a territory, what would they do? They would take their armies and they would march through the entire land. They say, we're marching through this land because we've already conquered it, because we've already claimed it, because we've already won the victory. And so God says this to Abram, he says, walk through the land because you already have the victory. Walk through the land because the blessing is already yours. Walk through the land because it's yours to claim it. So God says this, walk through your blessing. Trust that what God has promised you, he will give to you. God says, walk through your blessing. Trust that when God asks you to move, he will prepare the place that he is moving you to. Walk through your blessings, God says. Trust that when God asks you to sacrifice, whatever it is that he asks you to sacrifice, the payout will always be greater than what you sacrifice. See, God has asked us to walk through our blessing. He's asked us to march through our promises. And right now, the future may be uncertain. Right now, you might not know what else 2020 holds for you. Right now, you might not be in the best financial situation. Right now, your relationship might not be in the place that you want it to be. Your life might not be in the place that you want it to be. But I firmly believe that God has called you and you and you, all of you, to be a blessing in this city. I firmly believe that God has called you to be a blessing in your community. You are blessed by God. And so long as God is on your side, there is literally nothing 
that can stop you from moving forward. So this is the promise of God. God says, march on your promises. God says, claim that victory. God says, take the blessings that I've given you because I have already given them to you. And so the promise of Abram is the promise that God has for you today. See, God, God says to Abram, he says, I will make your name great. I will bless you. You will be a blessing. Those who bless you will be blessed. All the people on earth will be blessed to you. If you read Genesis 12, God says, Abram, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. God has blessed you to be a blessing. I believe that. And God says to you, he says right now, he says, look around. Look to the north and to the south. Look to the east and to the west. He says, look to the left and to the right. Look up and look down. He says, this right here is the land that I have given you. This is your time, God says. God says, don't sit around waiting for things to come to you. He says, I have already given you that blessing. I already have it prepared for you. You just got to walk through it. So God says, walk through it. God says, claim it. God says, claim that promise, claim that blessing. And God says this, walk through your blessing because it's already yours. Let's pray. God, we are so incredibly grateful that you're an amazing and powerful God. God, you are a God who has promised us everything. You have promised to bless us so that we might be a blessing to the nations around us. God, help us to understand that when you present us options, that we don't need to go looking around for other options, for other choices, because what you present before us is always what's best for us. God, help us to know that appearances can be deceived. What looks the best, what might feel the best, won't always be the best. God, help us to accept the options you present before us. Help us to accept the blessing, no matter what it looks like, even if it's not the prettiest, even if it's not the easiest. Help us to accept that blessing, knowing that you will always bless the leftovers, so much so until we have left over. And so, God, I know these words that you spoke to Abram, you're speaking to us now. You said, look to the left, look to the right, look to the north, to the south, the east, and the west. He says, this land is the land that I have promised you, so claim your blessing. God, help us to claim that blessing. Help us to walk through our blessing. Help us to know that all the goodness that you have prepared for us is already ours. We just need to grasp it. And so, God, above all things, I pray that we would be blessed not to rejoice in our blessings, not to sit in our blessings, not to just sit around twiddling our thumbs in our blessings, but rather that we would be blessed that the whole world would know your name, the holy and precious name of Jesus. In that name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, we would love to get to know you, We'd love to meet you. Why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca and fill out a connect card. We'd love to get in touch with you. Until next time, take care.